Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us today. We, uh, especially if you're here with us for the very first time, whether you're watching online for the first time or you're in here uh, in person. We've had so many new faces and new families that have come uh, since the beginning of the year. And I think, uh, man, everybody's ready for church again. And if you are a guest, uh, we're so glad that you're with us. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody shout three times. Uh, here, here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. Sometimes the pastor is not speaking, and that is today. That is today. And so um, I have a great family friend. Uh, my wife and I are so excited to uh, have uh, Pastor Jason and Miss Stephanie Robinson here with us. And uh, they're going to be bringing, he's going to be bringing the word today. He's a powerful preacher. I'm so excited to have him. But uh, before we do that, a couple of things. Number one, if you are watching online, do me a favor, uh, like, comment, share, review, um, do something and hit enter in the comments, okay? Like, and hopefully it's positive because when you do that, it helps us get through some of the social media algorithms. It helps, honestly, get the message of Jesus out online. If you're in here, i uh, love for you to do me a favor. Take out your phone. Just check in on Facebook or let someone know that you're at church and they got to come to the next service and uh, check out an incredible uh, family guest speaker that we have today. Um, we are wrapping up a series today called Do Over. Everybody say shout Do Over. And we've been just talking about how, man, like uh, last year was a, a big giant do-over for me. I think it was for you. I think I would like to erase 2020 from my mind. Uh, but I noticed that if you don't do some things strategically different, it'll just kind of, some of the stuff that happened in 2020 will just keep coming back. And so we want to do over some things. And I think Pastor Jason's going to have a great message. We are excited because uh, they are pastors of a church in Katy, Texas, which is Houston, Texas, kind of on the, I would say, the west side of Houston. And uh, an incredible church out there called Church of the King. Now, I met Pastor Jason, I was thinking about this last night. I met Pastor Jason in 2012 when we were both youth pastors. So we were both trying to reach teenagers for Jesus. And uh, man, it's hard to reach teenagers for Jesus. I'm telling you, if you if you know a youth pastor, you see, pray for them. They take them out to dinner, just love on them a little bit. Uh, they are underpaid, and you know, and over overworked, and this is what it is. You know, it's kind of like uh, kids and ministry. But uh, I'm telling you, um, I met him, and I knew we had kindred spirits. His wife is amazing. Um, they they have just incredible family. Um, their church, they were, um, so he planted, about, I think it was maybe three years ahead of us. And uh, so I just did everything. When he planted, I just kind of wrote out all the notes and I just did everything he did. And and then I just prayed for blessing like he did. They just got into a brand new facility. Please tell us a little bit about your church, like when all the new stuff that comes up when he comes up. Um, but it's just amazing. He's got a brand new facility. He's got like a billion people now. And so this is the last time you'll see him because he's going to be too big after this. So I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Uh, but I'm just so happy. He is a brother. He, he is what I call family. He is a brother. Um, I have a lot of friends, but I have very few family members. Uh, he's a family member. Uh, he was there. Uh, we were talking about this. I was. I went through when I planted this church. Like, just so y'all know, like, if y'all are here at this church, I'm just taking all your time. But I'm just saying, like, oh, the only reason this church is here is because I had people who told me not to quit before we planted. Because when I when I was trying to plant, um, like a lot of stuff was going wrong, and I was in like an emotional meltdown. And I was like, you know what? I really don't need to do this. I'm pretty sure I can go sell shoes at finish line and be just fine. And um, I tried to talk myself out of it. And he was one of the first guys I tried to convince that I was not called to ministry. And I was like, hey, and we were in a conference. There's people, thousands of people walking around. We're in the middle of a lobby, and I'm bawling my eyes out 
to Pastor Jason Robinson, and he was like, man of God, you're going to do this. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You're going to plant Pete churches, and this, this place is going to explode, and God's going to do amazing things. This is just a battle. You're going to work it, and I'm behind you. We won't let you fail. Come on, how many of y'all like somebody like that? Just when you're going through something, we won't let you fail. So just start it, and then we'll hold your arms up. And that's what he did for, for since the beginning that I met him, and really since the beginning of this church. So y'all need to thank him. If you like this church at all, you should thank him that he didn't let me quit. And so uh, he's, this is his first time here. He's going to be here several times uh, after this, and I'm just so happy that he's here. So a couple of things, since there's a lot of new people here. When we have guest speakers here, the reason we stand and we clap is not because he's great, okay? Because I know how, like, some of them are like, stand up, and, and you're like, who's this guy? I don't even know him. I'm not clapping for this dude. We don't stand, and we, we don't stand and clap for him and how good he is. We, we honor in this church, and honor is about who we are, so you're an honorable person. You stand for honor and you stand for the grace and the goodness of God. You represent Jesus. So when we have a guest speaker in, when we have family in, we do what we do when somebody is honorable that walks into our place and honors us. We honor them back, right? So that's a little teaching for you. I'm just a little pastoral. I'm just being a little daddy, if I can, just kind of loving on you and letting you know what kind of culture we have. So when he comes up here and I welcome him, do me a favor and stand up on your feet and make some noise and let him know you are so happy that you're here. Will you help me welcome and stand up on your feet? And clap and let Pastor Jason know. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Come on up and just love on him. All right, all right. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much. I am pumped up to be here. Uh, Aaron, how do you not love Pastor Aaron, huh? Aaron, they're just they're just the best, man. If if you have your Bible, you can open up to Isaiah chapter six. I'm gonna go there in just a moment. So uh you know, another thing that usually when a guest speaker comes to the church, it is church etiquette to say something nice and respectful and honorable about the pastor. And, and it's kind of funny because, you know, I've been in church for a while. I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain for a second. And there, there are times I've hosted people and they get up on this stage and they're like, my good friend. I'm like, we just met you when we picked you up from the airport just about an hour ago. But hey, sure, you know. And so it's kind of etiquette, but it really is, it's not an etiquette thing. Um, you have some of the finest pastors. You have one of the best communicators as a pastor. I've had him come over a bunch of times because I trust him with my people, and I don't know if I could say anything better than that. And so um, we love you guys. We love your family, and we're just grateful to do life with you guys. Can you give it up for your pastors? Isn't it worth it? Doing that? And if you're online, I know it's amazing online, but I promise you it doesn't feel better online than it does feel in this room. So we do want to just welcome you. Okay, come on back, man. Come on back. Now, listen, if you're in a vulnerable situation, that's not what we're talking about, okay? We're not, we, we, we care about people deeply. We're going to be here. We're not going anywhere, okay? But if uh, I had someone last week, I'll just, I, you know, I'm a guest, so it's cool. I get to leave. So I can just say this uh, after this is over. But uh, like last week, I had someone uh, that we hadn't seen in church in forever, and they, and I went to, I said, hey, is everybody okay? Is everybody fine? It's so good to finally see you in church. They said, pastor, we've just been lazy. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, okay, well, good. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know how to take that. All right, so anyway. <laughs> but, hey, I'm, I don't want to accuse you by anything, but, man, we love, we're here, and we'd love to, be, love to see if you come back. So, hey, if you're there and you're disappointed because Pastor Aaron's not preaching nowhere, I'm disappointed, too. I don't like to hear him preach this morning as well, but I'm going to do my best, and we're going to have a good time. So, hey, I want to show you a picture of my family real quick. I got my, my crew. That's my, they're somewhere in there. Going back to it. There they are right there. That's my crew. Uh, my wife and I, my wife Stephanie, she's uh, right here on the front row with me. I have four kids. 
I have a 20-year-old, about to be 21, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 13-year-old. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Pastor, you look 29. Thank you. All right, so anyway, but uh, now I have, I have three daughters and a son, and that's my crew, and that's the, the joy of my heart right there. Uh, I, I am, we are a spiritual family, that's, that's who we are here, so you don't have a guest speaker. Matter of fact, I reject any thought of being a guest speaker to you guys. I'm like a cousin for y'all, all right? Your cousin came to hang out. Now, we all know in family there are the weird cousin. You know, the cousin that, like, on the way to Thanksgiving, you're like, listen, if Cousin Jimmy starts talking, don't listen to nothing he has to say, all right? Don't let him corner you. Don't do nothing, all right? Just stay away from Cousin Jimmy. Then there's that cool cousin. We're going to go with the cool cousin. How about that one? Can we do that? So, hey, I want to share to you what, what a great series do-over, um, getting something fresh and a new start, a new perspective. And, and I want to talk to you today about a do-over in your perspective. I want to help give you a new perspective on something today. I think it's really going to help you a lot. I want to start off with a story. I went to Disney World a couple uh, months ago, and I've learned there's two types of people out there. There's people who love Disney and people who absolutely hate Disney. So I'm going to find out who loves Disney out there. Any, any, my, my love Disney out there. Okay. How many of you hate Disney out there? Okay. All right. Some of you like, I'm not raising my hand, Pastor. I don't care what you say. That's fine. All right. Cool. You love Disney. Trust me. All right. So anyway, I remember when I was a little kid, I was first going to Disney first time, and I was about seven years old, and I was at recess, and all of my friends started talking about Disney, and, and they heard I was going. They're like, man, I can't believe you're going to Disney. When you go to Disney, you have to go on Space Mountain. Their Space Mountain's fantastic. Then they start explaining Space Mountain to me, and they say, Space Mountain is awesome. It's like, there's this part, it's, it's dark, and this part, it falls down, it turns hard to the right, and you think you're going to die, but then you don't. It's awesome. That's what they told me. And I was like, I was all fired up for, for, Dis- for, for Space Mountain. We get to Disney World that next week. I'm going straight into, in, into Space Mountain. And, and as I'm getting in there, I'm going on the, on the lines, getting ready. And all of a sudden, you would hear, is what you heard. And you know, you little kids, and kids come up with stories all the time. And I was in the 18,000-mile-long line that they had getting ready. And, you know, those kind of lines, kind of like SeaWorld here when it's packed out. You know how they have the lines perfectly where you have to awkwardly look at the same person for about 15 minutes? It's like, and then you see, oh, there they are again. You know, and you got to do that. And so we're in one of those. And I heard one of these kids say, say, I heard someone died last week on Space Mountain. And on cue, ah, I'm like, he's dead. We get to the very top. They get on the ride, and the ride that you sit in, if you remember, it's a missile. You sit in a missile. And then there's this little black hole, and they shoot, and they, oh, and they just, they're gone. We get to the very top, and my dad's like, you ready, son? I'm like, no. He said, well, well come on, son. We can get on. I said, no, I'm not. And then I had to take the walk of shame. I don't know if you ever got to the end of a ride. You decide not to go, and you got to take the walk of shame. Anybody know the walk of shame? And you have to wait for your party to come. And then people are asking, you okay? I'm like, you know? And so they, my parents get off the run. They're all like, this was amazing. There was a part that went down went to the right. And it was dark. I thought we thought we were going to die, but we didn't. It was awesome. So I go to school the next week. I get to recess. And what do you think they asked me? How was Space Mountain? And guess what I said? It was awesome. It was dark. There's a part that went down and went to the right. I thought I was going to die, but I didn't. It was great. They were like, yes, that's my favorite. And although I never went on the ride, 
I took their perspective of the ride, and I could turn around and make it look like I had gone, although I never experienced it for myself. I know some people with their perspective, they've heard other people's perspective about God, other people's stories about God, other people's encounters about God, and although they can turn around and they can tell you what you need to hear, they've not been on the ride themselves. And so I want to talk to you today about your perspective because perspective is everything. When I say something, your perspective, I'm going to say a couple things, and when I do, something's going to come to your mind. And when it comes to your mind and your heart, that's, that's your perspective on it. When I say marriage, some of you are like, oh, Lord, Pastor, don't go there. <laughs> I say kids. I say money. You have a perspective of money. You, you look at it, maybe it's a negative, maybe it's a positive, whatever it may be. You have a perspective on it. Maybe... Politics, Pastor, please don't talk about politics. I won't, I promise, all right? I won't. Or whenever I talk about food or whatever, if I say, if I say Chick-fil-A, yeah. you may think Christian chicken, because I've heard Pastor Aaron say that up here before. <laughs> come on, let's be honest, though. Every once in a while, you like you some sinful chicken called Popeye's. Anybody like that? Come on, y'all know, I don't call it sinful. I call it glorious in the name of Jesus is what, is what I call it. But, but see, the word perspective, it just means your point of view. It means your attitude towards something. And this is why this is important, is because I want to challenge you in your perspective today on how you see God. Because how you see God affects everything in your life. I don't have time to go into it, but I'd love to tell you the stories of when I was a youth pastor and we went around the world throughout missions trips. I've been to Thailand, Cambodia, China, India, Egypt. I got the privilege of taking students all around. And I can tell you the way their government is structured, the way their family works, the way they, they love one another, or the way they treat people in their society is all built around the religion that dominates that area. It's pretty fascinating when you look into it and when you go there and you see that because everything, everything is affected by the way you see God. Now, I'm going to take the portion of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm going to show you a story of Isaiah and how, I mean, a powerful, impactful moment where he saw God for himself. And we're going to learn a little bit about uh, how, what, how that can affect us and what we can get from there. So Isaiah 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 1, says this, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of the robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, which is angels, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With, with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mean, this is a pretty cool moment. <laughs> this is like, I saw the Lord and angels are flying around and they're holy. I mean, this is powerful. This is an encounter with God. Then he said, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man with unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. For then I heard the Lord, excuse me, voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send 
and whom will go for us. And I said, here I am, send me. Father, I just pray in these few moments today that you would uh, help me share your word. God, if Rise Church that I'm so proud of, God, and I'm so grateful to be a part of and so grateful to be that cool cousin that they didn't know they had. But Lord, I do pray that no one would hear me if they hear you. Because if they hear me, they hear me. But if somebody hears you through this, it'll change everything. I pray they'd hear you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to go back to this scripture for a second. As I was looking in this portion of scripture with King Uzziah, what an amazing moment. There's a part right at the very beginning that intrigued me. Going back to verse 1, it says this, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I mean, when you think about I saw the Lord, that's such an impactful, encountering, crazy moment that like, why would anything precede it or follow it? I mean, why would that even matter? In the year King Uzziah died, who cares? I saw God. That's all I care about. So why King Uzziah? So I started to do a little study, and I won't be able to go through all of it because it's a whole chapter, but I want to encourage you to go back into 2 Chronicles chapter 26. You hear the account of King Uzziah. And I'm going to give you some of the highlights of King Uzziah. As you read through this about the king, you find out, first of all, that he became king at 16 years old. Could you imagine being 16 and being a king? I feel sorry for that nation. He reigned for 52 years as the king. This dude was the man. When you start seeing all the ways that God used him in such a powerful and just anointed him, we we see also that he broke down the walls of Gath. Why does that matter? Because the walls of Gath are where the giants lived. When you read about David and Goliath, you'll see Goliath was from the town of, he was from the city of Gath. And so this king went to Gath and he tore down the walls where the giants were. Come on, somebody. You can feel like the man when you do something like that. And so also, we also see that he, he made towers and cisterns in the desert. You don't do anything in the desert. This brother's building towers and cisterns. He was creative. He was innovative. We also see, it's interesting. You'll read it. You'll, you'll find this fascinating. In Second Chronicles, when you read it and you find out he invented weapons of war. And as they began to explain the weapons of war... It talked about how he he built these weapons that flung stone, and it flung also arrows, and it's not too much of a stretch believe that this man probably invented the catapult that we know of. And all this stuff that this guy had done in 52 years. Now, the story actually ends tragic because he started to be a little prideful about all the stuff he had done. But... At the very end of all of the exploits that was shared in 2 Chronicles about this man, King Uzziah, there's an interesting scripture at the very bottom. It says this in verse 26, verse 22. The other events of Uzziah's reign, this awesome king, from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah. So in other words, Isaiah's job was to follow around the king and write down all the stuff that he was doing. Could you imagine being that guy? Oh, man, I get to follow the king. This is awesome. He did this? I, was, I saw God use him in such a... Man, he's such anointed as a king. Man, we're going out to, the, the, to Gath. Look what he did to Gath. This is amazing. He's created things. He's built things. Man, I can't believe... This is my hero. This guy's used so powerfully and mighty by God. Now, having a front row seat of seeing God use someone so mightily, 
Now we go back and say, in the year my hero died, in the year that everything I saw, all the power of God and everything he had done filtered through this man, in the year he died, I saw God for myself. That person, that veil, that whatever that was, was pulled away between me seeing God for myself. Students, teenagers, can I encourage you? Do you know what your parents want more than anything else? Is not for you to follow their God, but for you to follow God for yourself that you experience for yourself. Yeah, you've seen them do great things in your parents' life, but that's great, but that's not going to hold you or keep you when, when everything goes wrong. You need it for yourself. And I wonder what your King Uzziah might be. Maybe, maybe there was something that, that happened in your life and, and there was a disappointment. And now you're seeing God through the perspective of that disappointment. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe you were believing God for something big and something great to happen and it didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, now you begin to see God through this, this, this lens, this filter, this Uzziah that, that now all of a sudden you're, you can't trust him with this or that. There's a medical condition and it's called macular degeneration. And macular degeneration, what it does is it's a disease that comes into your blood, the, the blood cells in your eyes. And what happens over time, you don't even realize it, but your peripheral vision, where right now we all have a certain peripheral vision where you can see, I can see all the way back here. I can still see my hands. But over time, it erodes, and all of a sudden, you don't even realize that it's so slow that your peripheral vision gets smaller and smaller. So when I talk about how you see God, you might immediately think, okay, well, he's talking about Christian, people that don't know God, right? No, I, I've seen even people who love God, who serve God all their life, it's through some disappointments. I thought this was going to happen for me. I thought I was going to get that promotion. And what we all of a sudden do, we go from thinking God can do anything to God's limited in his resources. We're too smart to know that God is good and he's powerful, but we just aren't sure he'll do it for us. We know God will do miracles. We just don't know if he'll perform the miracle I need. And, and, it, and it just degenerates over time because there's something that's in the way of you seeing God fresh and new, a do-over. All again, what about, what if this is a year that God performs miracles for you like never before? What if that financial promotion that you were looking for shows up this year? Pastor, I prayed for it once and I didn't get it. Pray for it again. I'd rather get to heaven and God said, well, you sure tried. Yeah. <laughs> then to get to heaven and realize I had all this stuff for you. Why'd you quit asking? Why'd you quit believing? Why'd you quit expecting? Man, I want you to see God. My, my goal today, I just want you to see God fresh and new. I want you to see with a fresh perspective in your life. I can't help but I showed my, my kids a second ago and and my two oldest, Mia and Trent. Now, they're very different. My oldest daughter, Mia, she's actually running our student ministries right now. And Mia is the life of the party. Wherever Mia goes, whatever she's doing, there's a party that's following, okay? If Mia came with us today, half of you would know her because she has a way of making herself known, okay? That's just, she's larger than life. That's my Mia. But then my son, Trent, he's chill. He's the one just kind of, he's taking it all in, but you just don't know it. He's quiet, just kind of chill. Now, when they were little, little, and we were driving the minivan, and we had Mia would sit in the booster seat, and Trent was in the car seat, you know, 
And they would sit there. And my son Trent, you know, he's chill, so he's just sitting in there like a king. And he would go to say something. I can't tell you how many times this happened. Dad, and he went to say something, and Mia would always stop him and say what he, what he was about to say. Hey, Trent wanted to let you know he wanted to stop by McDonald's to get a cheeseburger. <laughs> Did it all the time. Now, 90% of the time, she was right. She was right. Isn't it amazing how your kids can interpret the other kids? Yeah. You're like, hey, 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 come here. What's he saying? You know, I mean, <laughs> and they can. But every once in a while, when she would dip into that 10% that he didn't want that, he'd get mad. And he was pretty chill, but he'd go, no, 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 in his throne. And he'd say this. He said, he said I'll speak for myself. I'll speak for myself. Let's take a moment. I know we've all walked some life. We've all had some things we've had to walk through and disappointments. Let's let Jesus speak for himself for a second. This is, what, this is I'm going to let him speak for himself. John 14, 5 says this, I am the way. This is Jesus talking. I am the way, the truth, the life. Notice he didn't say a way, a truth, or, you know, I have some life that I have in my pocket that I could give you. No, no, no. I am the personification of life. To have me is to have life. But not just that. We see in John 10, 10, he says, I have come that you might have life, but have it abundantly. Have it to the full. That word also means zoe, means overflowing. So to have, this is why I tell our people, when you go to your job, when you go to your school, when you go to the gym, wherever you're at, I don't hope you make a difference for Jesus. I expect you to make a difference for Jesus. Not because you're preaching to people, but why? Because there's death everywhere. There's spiritual death and life just came in the building because you're there. That's what it is. It's seeing God. Matthew 11, he also said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Hold on, pastor. I, I grew up in church my whole life. I did all these different things, or maybe I just started, and I thought church was all rules and regulations. I thought I don't really come because the people's going to judge me. They're going to think this about me. They're going to think that about me, and I don't, I don't know, pastor, about all, all the stuff you're saying doesn't sound like that. Life? Life abundantly, rest, peace, I'll take me some of that. And I think in many ways, Jesus has not been portrayed to you. You heard about somebody else's rod, but you haven't ridden on it yourself. And art doesn't help. The world of art doesn't help. I just went on Google and I was like, pictures of Jesus. And let me show you one of the pictures that came up. There it is right there. And that's pretty typical. Just leave that up there for right now. Like, it's pretty typical, a Victorian picture where Jesus is looking all malnourished, mean and serious looking. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that kids wanted to be around Jesus. They, ran, they actually had to shoo kids away. Do you know what kind of person you have to be for kids to want to flock around you? Have that brother walk in the back by kids right now. Come on, y'all see what I see on that picture. I don't know about you, but if I'm walking through some issues and I see this guy talking, I don't want to talk to him. But it gives us a picture. Okay, you can take him down. We're all depressed, so you can take him back down now. I wouldn't approach somebody like that. Why? Because right, I, think, I think we need a fresh do-over when it comes to, our, to knowing who Jesus is. And see, this is, 
this is not a message that's just, it's very dear to my heart because it's the way I, I lived. See, I, I grew up in church and, and I, I was saved actually at a really young age. My family got saved through, it's a really miraculous story how it all came about. And I'm not like from third generation pastor, nothing wrong with that, I'm just not that. And so I, when I went to church, it was, it was one of those, let's put it this way. It was one of those old school beat down hellfire and brimstone churches. And we were charismatic, so we were hellfire, brimstone, WWE, cage match, anything could happen church all at the same time. So it was entertaining, not inviting, but very entertaining, all right? And so I knew sister so-and-so at any moment in time could do this, brother so-and-so could do something any, any moment in time. And I was, this is, not, this is not conjecture, this is not me just coming up with, I was preached and taught hardcore legalistic things. That's, that's how I grew up. I remember one youth retreat in particular, uh, the guest speaker was up there and he said, if you're listening to the Christian radio and you turn it off a of Christian radio to something else and Jesus comes back, by the way, we believe that Jesus is coming back one day and he comes back, you're not going. That's simple. And I grew up in the 90s and I liked vanilla ice. I'm sorry. Also said, if you watch a rated R movie, if you go to watch a rated R movie and Jesus comes back, you're, you're going to hell. You're not going to heaven. They just, boom, just boom, hit you with it. I remember, so, so me and my friend, we wanted to see the scary movie one time. So we snuck to this little cheap movie place to watch it. And I don't know about you, whenever you're doing something you're not supposed to do, you're just waiting for like the whole church choir to walk in, you know, or the pastor, somebody you're like, oh my goodness, you know. Half, about just a, a few minutes into the movie, I'm watching it's rated R. All of a sudden, fear of God hits me. I ran outside. And I literally ran outside, and I was like, Jesus, if you came, I felt like he came back. I just knew he came back, and I missed it. I said, could you just take another lap, Lord, please, and come back around and get me? I called my sister on one of those ancient artifacts called a payphone. Y'all remember those? And so I, call, I, I called my house to see if my mom and dad were there. My sister answered the phone and said, hey, I said, I knew you weren't going to make it. Is mom and dad there? And let me tell you, it's funny, but let me tell you what it produced in me. I thought God loved me because he had to. But boy, he did not like me very much. He had to be so, and I struggled for years, years. And do you know, even to this day, I have to watch this little lie that try to creeps in and think God must be so disappointed in me because I was always disappointed in me because I could never live up to all of these things. And I know why they preached it to me. I really do. They were nervous that if they preached really on the grace of God, that I would think I could do whatever I want. But what they didn't realize is, is when you really find God in, in the love, in the life abundantly, in the peace, in the joy, yeah, I don't want to be around that. I just want to know him more when I found out. And for years and years, I struggled with God doesn't really want to talk to me. I wouldn't want to go to God with my issues and things because I thought he was ticked all the time. Because this is what I was told all in this. And, and it wasn't until some scriptures started to come out and I started to seek God for myself. I wanted to get on a ride for myself. And Romans 2.4 was a lifesaver for me. Do not belittle the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not this that led me to repentance. It was this that led me to repentance. That man, when something goes wrong, he's the place I want to go to. 
And see, I struggled with this because growing up in church, I understood the grace of God. And I knew that someone that was down and out, somebody that was just had a mess of a story and a real difficult past, I understood God's grace could reach down to them. But I struggled with his grace reaching out to me because I grew up around it. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm still not doing it. How could that grace be there for me? And I struggled with it. I saw it was this kindness that led me to him over and over and over again. And when we see God for who he really is, when we see him for who he really is, we get a new a do-over in our perspective. Not only is it life-giving, but he attaches some things to it. I'm going to go back to the scripture we were reading, verses 5 through 8. After he had this encounter, this is what happened to Isaiah. He said, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes, I've seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. When, when, God, when Isaiah saw God, he gave him two things. He gave him identity and he gave him purpose. He gave him identity. He said, you're mine. You're mine. Kind of like the Texans. They have their issues, but they're mine. I'm actually from New Orleans, so I say that about the saints. We have our issues, but they're mine. Yeah. He gave identity, but he didn't give, give identity. He gave purpose. Man, this God sounds terrible. Life, peace, joy, purpose, identity. Wait, wait, maybe, maybe my perspective has been, has been off. So what could be the thing that's, that you're seeing that's keeping you from engaging with God? I'm going to go all the way back to where I began with, and I'm going to end with this. Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I know that, that font's a little low, so maybe not everybody can see that far. But once we get to into, in the year that King Uzziah died, what's, what's that right after the died? It's a, it's a comma. It's a comma. Isaiah could have been so frustrated, so disappointed that his hero died that he could have put a period right there. In the year King Uzziah died, and all we ever got in the Bible would be Isaiah chapter 1 through 6, not the rest, that's filled with prophecy about Jesus and the Messiah to come. And I want to challenge you today, just like Uzziah, don't put a period where God only put a comma in your life. Well, Pastor Jay, the reason I'm disappointed is because period. Well, I was hurt by a church or a leader or a Bible study or pastor or whatever it may be, and I was hurt, so I'm not going to jump on to those next steps and get involved, period. Hey, I've served before in the past, but they burnt me out a little too much, and it didn't, and this happened, and that happened, and so I'm never, ever going to do that again, period. And now you have a perspective, and let me help you with this. Don't hold God in contempt for something somebody else did or man screwed up. And say, no, 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 no. In the year that I put that frustration away, in the year I let that pain go, 
in the year that I, I released it. I know my mom, my dad died, my, my son, my daughter, my uncle, my grandma, grandpa, and it hurt. But I'm not going to let a period stop me, and I'm only going to see God one way. No, no. That's a, I'm not going to let the world, culture, life put a period. But God, you put a comma. Because in the year you let it go, might be the year you see the Lord in a whole new way. I want that for you. I, I don't have an agenda here other than I want that for you. I really do. Trust me, trust me, from someone blood, sweat, and tears for decades trying to fight through, thinking God can't stand me. He loved a lot of people, but he was so frustrated with me. He had to be. I've had to fight through that for decades and decades. Let's have a do-over. And let's see God for all he is. Can we do that? Can I pray for you? Pastor Aaron, you can come on up and I'm going to pray for everyone. Father, I just come right now and I thank you for your people. And Lord Jesus, I'm asking even right now, in the year King Uzziah died, the, the veil came down. Father, I pray right now, by your spirit, the veil would be ripped down, God. That disappointment that's been in between their vision and their sight and their perspective of you and you would be pulled away. Experiences pulled away. Thoughts pulled away. Hurt pulled away. Preconceived notions pulled away. And God, I pray right now by your spirit, there would just be a release in this room of the life of Jesus, the life of God, the life more abundantly, God. And we'd feel it and sense it and know it. 